You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. Open your Bibles to uh, the book of Luke again. We'll be there. We'll read through the entire Christmas story this morning. I always always hesitate to use those words because I never want to portray these as these biblical accounts as fictional or story. So stand with me when you get there. Luke chapter 2. An account that we're all familiar with, but it's often glazed over. It's uh, simple yet familiar, and many of us respond to this Christmas account by simply tuning out. Uh, you know, we think we've heard this before, uh, but the, I want to look this morning at this precious old story with an open heart and open mind. So we'll start in Luke chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenus was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, and every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And uh, there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe laying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Now flip over to the book of Matthew chapter 2 and we'll continue there. In verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, 
saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and behold, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day that you've given us, the chance you've given us to assemble. I pray, Lord, that you anoint me to preach a message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to one another as we draw us closer to yourself, and we will never fail to give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. So the biblical account of Christmas begins before the beginning of time. Before the foundation of the world was laid, God planned and knew that his son would be slain for the sins of you and I. From the beginning of Genesis all throughout the Old Testament, many prophecies proclaimed exactly when, how, and where the Messiah would come. He would be born and live among us. He would be the bread of life, the living water, the Lamb of God that takes away 
our sins. Mary and Joseph, chosen by God, uh, Mary to be the mother of God's son, Joseph to be the one to care for him. Now we know that even as the, the account begins, that must have been uh, brought out of a great difficult situation for them emotionally, mentally, socially for Mary and Joseph. Mary's pregnant before she's Joseph's wife. And you and I know that rumor and gossip had to have run rampant throughout the streets. So a census is taken. Caesar Augustus decrees that families must return to their hometown to be counted and to pay. And even though a baby is due at any time, Mary and Joseph must make about the 75 to 80 mile journey from where they were, from Nazareth in Galilee to Bethlehem in Judea. It's a hard journey. I mean, think about going 80 miles. We're not talking about getting in the car and hitting the ignition and off you go. This is 80 miles walking, maybe on a donkey. I don't know if there's a camel. And Mary's pregnant and she's ready to deliver at any time. It makes all these things even more difficult. Once they arrive, there's no room in the inn. And looking at the two of them, perhaps the innkeeper had rooms in the inn, maybe for somebody important, but certainly not for these two, certainly not um, for them. Had they been possibly more influential, perhaps somebody would have found some room, but for common people, there was no room for them to stay. We know, as the Bible accounts, that the compassionate innkeeper let them use his stable, which I alluded to last week. In this time and place in the world would have most likely been uh, some sort of dugout underneath the house. I think more of a cave, more so than what you see in nativity scenes here in America. But there's complications all uh, throughout Mary's condition, the length of the travel, the lodging, uh, but there certainly becomes a happy celebration within the family. Um, now we know from 2,000 years later that it is a happy celebration all throughout heaven and earth. Amen. His birth was a miracle. Celebrate, we celebrate Christmas because Christ came to the earth and was born. We celebrate Christmas because he, we become born again through his life and effort and death on the cross. We celebrate Christmas because uh, as Christian, Christ lives in us today. All because um, well, events in, in the day uh, involving an innkeeper and a stable. Right? And we talked about that last week, how uh, his mother wrapped him in cloths and laid him just a half a step above the ground in a feed trough in uh, the Middle East. God's own son, born for you and me. He's not born in a great palace. He's not born uh, in some temple or uh, some place of wonder and beauty. He's in a dugout basement in a desert in the Middle East, a half a step above the ground in a feed trough. 
but He's come to show us how to live. And He's come so that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. He's come to die for our sins. And that is the true um, meaning of Christmas. You cannot leave Christ in that manger 2,000 years ago. You have to tell the entire story that He was born to die, that that He would be nailed upon a cross, and He would give His life for our sins. Now, in our modern times, you get wonderful... I still send Christmas cards. I don't know if everybody... It's quickly becoming a thing of the past, but I think I probably always will. I don't know why I enjoy it so much, but I do. And over the years, those cards have changed. Now, the people I know really haven't changed too much in this respect, but... This year, every year that passes by, you get more happy holidays and seasons, greetings, things of that nature. And what that is a reflection of our society as a whole, right? right? They feel more comfortable printing season greetings and happy holiday cards than saying uh, Merry Christmas. The world tries to take Christ out of Christmas at every turn. Everything and uh, everything we encounter this type of year, this time of year, uh, Christ is removed as much as possible, as much as they believe they can get away with. And when I say they, I'm talking about the world, but uh, we celebrate Christ as God coming into the world, God in the flesh. He is Emmanuel, He is God with us. And once God arrives on earth, it demands a response from mankind. Now, you and I, as we sit here today, uh, the vast majority have chosen to respond in Christ uh, by putting our faith and our trust in Him. But let's look, let's look through these accounts uh, first as some people that responded to the birth of Christ. First, uh, there is an innkeeper, and I'm unsure why the Bible glosses over the innkeeper in several situations, but uh, the fact that there is an inn demands that there also was somebody to tend to that inn, to work there, to be the innkeeper. Now, he's not mentioned uh, in the Bible, but uh, there was an inn, so we know that there was an innkeeper. And if you think through it, is it possible that he's some grumpy old man, slams the door in Mary and Joseph's face, uh, or was he gentle and kind-hearted, uh, the, just too busy and too poor himself to be of any more help to them than he really was? Today, uh, even as kind-hearted as the innkeeper may have been, we don't know, the Bible's silent on that, uh, he was certainly too busy or unable to give time to the Lord Uh, He had other things that took priority. I want you to think about that. Other things and other people took priority in this situation. Now the Bible teaches from cover to cover that you and I are to put Christ first. You and I are to put God first in our lives. You and I are to keep things properly maintained in the order uh, of God first. Right? 
there's a lot of things that seem important to us. There's a lot of things that seem uh, like life won't go on without it, but I promise you that it will, right? Except for that very first thing, which is God. We also see shepherds. We talked about them last week, the lower class of Israel. They're abiding in a field. They're smelly, probably dirty. Uh, they are themselves half a step above homelessness. They are the rejects, rejects of society. Uh, they have a filthy job. They're living in the wilderness with sheep. But God reaches across all uh, social and economic barriers. Now, oftentimes we forget that. Uh, that is one of the faults and, and failures of what I would, what I would call the, the Appalachian-descended church. We look in the mirror and believe that everyone ought to be exactly like us, and it simply is not true. It simply is not true. God's, the message of the gospel permeates every culture on earth, every class of person on earth. But the shepherds are given not only the news, but do you realize in the history of the world how privileged these poor shepherds, half a step from homelessness, are to receive the word. They're the first ones to know that a Savior has been born, that they have the first opportunity to worship Him, an opportunity that so often you and I take for granted. They were the first ones in history that worship Christ in the flesh. We're very privileged to gather this morning and freely worship uh, a God that came down to, to dwell among us and die for us. We're here today because we took time out to be here or because someone urged us to come to hear the gospel at some time in the past. Right? To my knowledge, none of us have a testimony where God appeared to them on the road to Damascus, right? We're here because somebody shared the gospel with us. Now, it might be family, it might be friends, it might be neighbors. Uh, everybody's testimony is different, but everybody in this room, to my knowledge, that's come to know the Lord did so because somebody else told them that there is a Savior. Now, you and I have that same responsibility going forward. You and I will uh, meet with our family. It'll be a little different this year, uh, just like Thanksgiving was, but we still have that responsibility, right? And we may not see fruit from it immediately, but our responsibility is to tell the message. Now, as much as I would love to see all your family members here at this church, and my own for that matter, uh, any church will do, right? Yeah. Any Bible-believing church will do. So we won't be too particular as to the how or the where. Our prayer and our efforts is that they come to know Christ and believe a gospel message. The other person we'll talk about here is Herod. Now, Herod's response to the birth of a Savior is ultimate fear. Everything that Herod holds dear, he'll lose when he hears this account that the Messiah has been born. And he summons religious leaders 
asking them if they knew anything. And the prophets tell him that he has to be born in Bethlehem. So Herod tells the wise men to go to Bethlehem and come back and tell him where he is so that he can worship him. Now you and I know that that's not Herod's true intent. We know his true ambition. He is afraid of this new king. He's afraid of what he would lose, so much so that he has every two-year-old in the area slaughtered. Now can you imagine that type of fear and that type of action based on earthly things? But it happened. So afraid of meeting Christ because of the change that he will do in Herod's life. Now, when you turn on your devices and you watch the news, you see those same things develop all throughout our nation. People that simply refuse to meet Christ because they know every, of the change he requires. They know what the Bible tells them. They know what God has told them, what God has laid out on how men should live and how they should conduct themselves and what and who's in control. Uh, it is simply pride. And pride can take you to a place. Now, none of us have the power to carry out an edict like Herod did. But pride got him to that place, to an unthinkable action. To an unthinkable, unthinkable action. It's pride on a, on a level that sometimes we find hard to even fathom. But that is the root cause. Now, of course, the wise men, they didn't have any angels. They weren't um, astrologers. I don't want you to confuse the other characters in, in this account. Uh, the wise men were not uh, astrologers. They were astronomers, and there's a difference, right? Uh, one is, one is a, a kind of a science-based thing. The other is definitely not of God or the Bible, and these wise men find Mary and Joseph and Jesus. They worship and give him gifts. Now, timing, I'll tell you this too, the timing between Matthew, uh, the account of the wise men showing up, and the shepherds, uh, we read it as if it happened kind of at the same time, but that's not true. Uh, there's, a, there's a time span in between those two things. To know how much would just be us guessing but it's way more than what you're thinking and way more than how I presented it this morning. Uh, months, maybe possibly a couple years go by. Uh, and we get that from the edict that Herod issues, that he, he, he murders all the two-year-old children and younger. So it's often argued that it, it takes about two years for the wise men to get there, find him, and, and do all that. Uh, when the wise men weigh the evidence and they listen to what God has said and, and basically what we understand to be the Old Testament and that what they see and, and experience revealed in, in a manger in Bethlehem, they know that the Messiah has come, right? Now, you and I have done that same thing, probably not in those terms, but we've weighed the gospel message and we've experienced God and we know that it's true. 
we know that there is uh, something to it. We know that it is the way we live and the power that gives us life. It is responsible for everything uh, that's good and loving uh, that's within us. We can see what God has done. We have weighed the evidence and we realize how much God loves us, how much of his love is communicated in this manger in Bethlehem. That a Savior is born. He is Christ. He is the Lord. Stand with me this morning. Our response should be that of the wise man. Accepting him, seeking him, finding him. We should make haste to do that.